This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Well, friend, Happy New Year's Eve. Even though we normally release episodes on Wednesdays, this episode is being released on a Sunday because it's the very last day of 2023, and we wanted to gift you, the listener, with some bonus content here. We have an exciting episode for you today with a special guest. His name is Rick Allen. He's a former agnostic who wasn't interested in public speaking and didn't really care about God, but he now goes around the world spending often many hours at a time reasoning with people about the evidence for God. What gives? Rick is going to share what he calls his skeptic's journey on today's episode, and it's an honest story of a powerful transformation. I think you're going to love hearing from Rick. And as always, show notes and resources can be found at findingsomethingreal.com. But before we dive into today's episode, I just want to ask for your permission to reflect for a moment here. You see, 2023, aka season six, has been a remarkable year for finding something real. It's been four years of podcasting, and I am very grateful. And since it is New Year's Eve, I'm feeling especially sentimental. So please bear with me as I express some gratitude here. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to those of you listening and those of you responding to and sharing the content from Finding Something Real. Thank you so much. Thank you for those of you who signed up for the email list and received the free resource designed to help equip you with seven questions you or a friend might be asking about faith. Thank you to those of you who've partnered with Finding Something Real via the Patreon community. This year, your patronage and monthly support has kept this podcast on the air. Your faithfulness and grace has been such a kindness to me, and I am so grateful. Thank you to those of you who responded to the end-of-year fundraising campaign that we launched on the last day of September. I asked for support specifically to increase the online outreach of Finding Something Real this next year. And because of your response, Finding Something Real received a generous matching grant, and we have exciting plans in the works for creating consistent video content in 2024. Thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who faithfully pray for this ministry. Thank you to those of you who are interested in sharing your questions or stories on the podcast next year. Thank you for reaching out to me. You can still do that, by the way. And especially thank you to Gracie from the Pacific Northwest, for Gaia from Italy, for Luca from Switzerland, for Sina from Denmark, for Alice from Sweden, for Rachel from the Pacific Northwest and now LA, and Nora from Sweden, because of you girls and your bold vulnerability, we've discussed some powerful topics this past year on the podcast, including but not limited to God's existence, the evidence for the resurrection, why evil and suffering can coexist, how to forgive Christians who behave badly. We've talked about abortion and suicide. We've talked about following Jesus when it's lonely. We've talked about why Christianity is exclusive, heaven, hell, and eternity. We've talked about, is the God of the Old Testament different from the New Testament? What is the character of God like? Why does theology even matter? If God is love, why does he care who we love? We've talked about Christian sexual ethics and the authority of the Bible. We've talked about liking the idea of Jesus Christ, but not liking what the Bible has to say about some things and exploring that. We've talked about mental health and Christianity. We've talked about the difference following Jesus can make. 
That list could go on and on, and I know it already did, but thank you to this year's special guest, too many to name, guests who came on and generously shared from their own experiences and their own wealth of knowledge that they've gained from years of study, some of them. We've had some incredible conversations. There's so many people I could thank, but thank you to my family, my husband, Brian, my mentors and accountability partners, and especially my assistant producer, Taura, who came into my life four years ago around this time of year and whom I've never met in person, but has a tremendous, has had a tremendous part in keeping this podcast going. Thank you to my exchange daughters, all of whom have inspired this podcast, especially Lika, who started it all. And while Tara and I are behind the scenes getting ready to prepare some of what I believe will be amazing content for 2024 and season seven of the podcast, over the next few weeks, we'll be highlighting episodes from this past season. You really don't want to miss those replays. And finally, I would be remiss not to say thank you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom I'm finding something real every day. May the pursuit of you and sharing your restoration, your eternity, your authenticity, and your love be the foundation of my life and of this podcast work. Friend, he's worthy of it all. What's so special about Jesus? Let's talk about it. Happy New Year. Until next time. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friends. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and you are listening in for season six, where we've been starting off each month with a different young woman, sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. But this month, it's December, and we're wrapping up the year, so to speak. We've had some really beautiful conversations about faith, and I invited you to stay tuned this month because we'll be also sharing some of our favorite episodes in January from this season as we prepare for Season 7, launching later in Winter 2024. And speaking of winter 2024, I'm really looking forward to the content we're preparing for next season. So please check that out over at findingsomethingreal.com. And while you're over there, you can also sign up to receive the free seven questions resource, a tool for having deep and meaningful conversations with people you love. And you can find that at the top of the page. But today, I'm looking forward to this conversation because I have a guest here who knows what it's like to be on a profound faith journey. As a public speaker, he presents the evidence that compelled him as he became a Christian as an adult. And I'm excited to hear more of his story. Welcome, Rick Allen. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on your program. Oh, Rick, thank you for coming on. You and I met uh, at a special conference about a year and a half ago or so, um, Mm -hmm. the Cross-Examine Instructors Academy. What were you doing there? Well, that was my second year. So I had gone the year before that. And what compelled me to go to that was to to see the other speakers that are national speakers and, and to try to learn from them. Um, but actually, what, what I really enjoyed even more than that was the people that I met. Uh, I don't know where else you can be surrounded by apologists and people that want to talk about the faith like that. I mean, there's like 60 people just like yourself that are trying to, to spread the word. Mm. Um, so... It was, it was, it's, it really was fantastic. Both of, both of the years that I went. Yeah. Yeah. I just got back from my second time going in July and I loved it. Um, And so I know we toss this term around on here quite a bit, but most people, if you don't listen to this podcast all the time, probably are not familiar with the term because I always have to go back Mm -hmm. to the time when I learned what an apologist was and I had grown up in the church and I wasn't 
I mean, this was like less than a decade ago, you know, that I actually learned what an, an apologist is. So Rick, what mm -hmm. is an apologist? Uh, an apologist is someone who makes a defense for Christianity. Um, so if I understand it correctly, the apology part is a Greek word, which is make defense of. Um, so, so really, uh, Jay Warner Wallace, for example, will say, you know, a better word is a case maker, mm -hmm. right? Someone who makes a case for the evidence for Christianity and why it's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it comes from First Peter 3.15. I know because I've asked so many people that same question on here. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. I've memorized that verse, uh, right? To always be prepared <laughs> to give a defense to anyone who asks you, but to do it in gentleness and respect. Um, and I love that. And so, yeah, a lot of times we'll interview people on here. Or I'll interview people on here who call themselves apologists. And it's taken me a while to embrace that term for myself, although I've been um, lovingly, um, what's the word, uh, discipled by a couple of my peers that I need to actually use that word more often. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The problem with that term is the apologist also sounds like you're making an apology for, right? Right. Right. And so it, it's not always the best best term to use. And it's it's kind of misunderstood in general when yeah, you say, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you're a speaker. This was the question I was going to ask you later, but you go around and you share. Do you find that in general church audiences know what apologetics is or are em embracing the idea of apologetics? I would say the vast majority do not. Why, um, that's why is that? <laughs> You know, so part of my story is I, I went to church, we'll get into this more, I'm sure, but um, how much I went to church and never heard anything about evidence, hmm. right? Um, I, I heard verses, I heard the Bible, I heard, but I didn't believe in that stuff, so it, it didn't impact me at all. But I never heard evidence, which is what an apologist shares, uh, reasons why it's true. Um, and so, yeah, most, I think a lot of Christians and really any religions are, are content to just be in the faith without asking a lot of questions. Um, and that's the way they grew up. They, for whatever reason, they're in that faith and it's a culture thing and that's how they were brought up. And so they don't necessarily ask a lot of the questions. Mm. That's my, my experience anyways. Yeah, yeah. But then for people who grew up outside of the faith or people who mm -hmm. are sitting there going, I can't believe this kind of does a disservice to them, doesn't it, to not know. Mm -hmm. I had Eric Hernandez on this podcast a few weeks ago. We were talking, and he said, anyone who's done evangelism lately knows that you have to have some apologetics. You have to know, um, you know, what you believe in. Plug for his book. He just wrote a, a great book called The Lazy Approach to uh, Apologetics. Um, I, I think that's what it's called. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, and uh, it's not like You'll have to look at the book on Amazon, uh, but it's uh, along the lines of tactics by Greg Kokel, you know, an mm -hmm. idea of how yep. to talk with people about faith. But um, Rick, before we dive into why you do that, um, would you mind sharing a little bit of your background? Like, um, did you grow up in a Christian home? Did you grow up with some faith community? I grew up in a, a home that went to church. Um, it's kind of a funny story. We, we were going to a Methodist church. I'm the youngest of four kids. So uh, my, my two sisters and brother uh, had to have two things done for them to be able to get a driver's license. They had to have a B average in school, and they had to be confirmed in the Methodist church. Hmm. And 
about the time I was getting to that age, they changed to a non-denominational church. So I didn't have to get confirmed. And my brothers and sisters were very angry that I didn't <laughs> have to. Uh, but, but, you know, so we went, to, we went to the church on Sundays, but we never opened a Bible at home. Um, there was never any discussions outside of that at home. Um, it was very just, a, again, kind of a culture thing that we did. We went on Sundays most of the time. And that went on and off for some years. So there really wasn't a lot of you know, Christianity or, or any religious talk really in, in the house. Why did your parents care then whether your siblings got confirmed? What was that about? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually, I'll have to ask them that because I, I haven't. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it was just because that's what that church did, you know, as, as Methodist and, and they thought it was important. Um, Oh, that's a great question. I will have to ask them that. <laughs> so in the Methodist confirmation process, what does that entail? I know you didn't go through it, but you had siblings yeah. that I'm sure shared a little bit. Did that include apologetics or what were, what were they learning? What did they have to know? I doubt it included apologetics. Um, it is pro it's probably, if you're familiar with like the Awana courses hmm. where, where you learn about and then they probably had to take a test. Um, to, to kind of get confirmed. Um, but since I didn't, didn't go through it, I, I don't know. And then why didn't you believe? What was it that kept you from belief? Well, I, w I would say I was pretty much an agnostic, a lot of apathy. I didn't, I didn't really care. Mm -hmm. um, it just wasn't part of my life. And I lived that out as a teenager, right? So I was, um, as I got into teenage school, uh, I, I, you know, I kind of did some bad things. I got into a lot of alcohol, I got into a lot of drugs um, and, and uh, a lot of girlfriends and, and just, you know, there wasn't anything taught to me a different way. So, and that's what the culture was, right? I mean, the culture was do this, do this. And, you know, that was when cable TV was coming out. And so you got a lot of exposure. People listening to this may not know see cable TV, but <laughs> They've got yeah, I, remember, <laughs> I remember that coming into the house and I'm like, well, there's a box there and it's got all these, you know, 50 channels or something. And, and with that came, you know, channels like, you know, teenage boys probably shouldn't see. Mm. Right. But, but that gave me a lot of exposure. So I just thought that's what the culture was. And so it was a lot of apathy. And uh, I, I met my wife uh, during an internship out of college and she was a Christian, but also not strong. You know, she, she believed, but uh, we didn't go to church at all while we were dating. We got married in a, in a church. Um, but I think that was more culture reasons why we did that. Um, so yeah, so most of my time was just kind of apathy, not, not really caring and nothing prompting me to care. Okay. So would you say that you were an atheist or were you just, you didn't, you could take it or leave it. I probably could take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't remember thinking about it, hmm. you know, at the time. Yeah. So you weren't angry at this imaginary God. You just, he didn't have any relevance in your life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So how did that change? How did that change? Yes. And it did change. So uh, my wife and I had ended up having uh, kids. We have twins. We have a boy and a girl. And um, well, let me back up a little bit because because the first thing, the first 
thing that kind of triggered me was um, I started getting into exercising and I did my first triathlon. <laughs> now it was a sprint triathlon, so it wasn't one of those really big ones, but, but nonetheless, <laughs> I had, I, I had to train for it, right? I had to get up. Sounds to big to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, you know, so I had to exercise and kind of figure out how to, to, to build up tolerances and things like that. And then, so I was all pumped and I did this triathlon and I crossed the finish line and, and I went, okay, now what? Right. Mm -hmm. It was like, that was it. it was, but, but now what I did all that, what am I going to do next? And that was my first, like, like, wait, what's life about? Cause I'm, I'm going to keep doing these things and I'm going to finish them and I'm going to be, well, now what? Hmm. So that was kind of the first little, you know, something that kind of was sticking in my mind. And then, then we had the kids and, and, and the twins and, and my wife actually started moving in another direction. She started moving towards Jesus. Hmm. Uh, she, her sister um, talked to her about having a relationship and she didn't know about that. And she kind of started looking at it and she developed a relationship. And that's when I started getting a little angry about it. Hmm. Where I was like, mm, I don't really want my wife doing this because I thought it would take away all our fun. Um, she'd become a, a Bible thumper and, and do hmm. all that. And so I was, I was angry about it, quite frankly. Uh, it was some tough times there. It did let me finish the basement because she would take the kids to church and, <laughs> and, and do things like that. And I was able to get some projects done. Um, but, but that's kind of how it was going. Um, not, not real good. Some animosity between the two of us. And, and, then, uh, and then I started going to church with her to support her. Uh, my, my sister actually kind of prompted me in that and said, you really should, you should go to church and support your wife. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll start doing that. So I did, I started going with her to church. Uh, uh, but that's where I said, I, I never heard any evidence. Mm -hmm. I was still kind of apathetic. And, and now I'm starting to get like, I started listening and, and I'm like, no, you know, I don't believe this stuff. This was a made up story over all this time. Um, just like the telephone game and all the evil and suffering. And, and I, didn't, I didn't believe it even going to church. Then when my kids were six years old, there was a group that came into my church. They were called Life Action. And I went with my wife and they talked about how raising your kids is important and morals and teaching your kids morals um, and doing things that I, not doing things that I did. And it really hit me. It hit me hard. What am I going to teach my kids? How am I going to teach them to be what I consider good, which is not what I was, right? I'm going to kind of be a hypocrite because I'm going to say, no, 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 don't do what I did. Do this other stuff. And, and I, I'm like, but that's just my opinion. So that whole moral dilemma really hit me hard. Um, the way I kind of sum it up is, is I discovered that I had to protect my kids from me. From what I was or what I used to be anyways. So that was, that was the start of, of my journey. Hmm. Wow. Well, you had just said earlier that you didn't want your wife to change because you liked those things that you guys were doing. So how did you decide that you didn't want to do those things anymore? What, what did those people say that you were like, wait a second, I know I, I really don't want that for my kids. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I call a skeptic's journey. That's, <laughs> 
that's because I'm, I'm a skeptic. I'm a skeptic about not just this, just about everything. I'm just skeptical. It's just my nature. Hmm. Um, so this was not a overnight thing. It was actually, oh, I think it was over three years period where the other thing as, 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 as they talked about that and I thought about these things is I'm like, well, I don't believe in all this, but I've never researched it. Hmm. I've never looked at it. What am I basing my argument on? Just it's just what I think. So I'm like, okay, well, I should probably start looking into this a little bit. So that's what I did. So I started on a journey and I, I started just, you know, researching, listening to debates, you know, now, now we have YouTube, right? So I, I could use YouTube and listen to debates and read books. And I was just, I just devoured pretty much everything I could on, on trying to listen to both sides of the thing and, and you know, learning that, that atheism, if I believe in this, it's a set of beliefs. And I have to decide if I believe that or not. It's not just a, uh, I don't believe what your Christians believe. Well, if I don't believe what your Christians believe, that means I believe this. And is that true or not? Hmm. Um, so that was a long period of, of research. How old were you? Well, let's see. My kids were, this was 2007. Good question. If I, I was in my 30s. Okay. So you had gotten into your 30s being apathetic about, I don't need to know. And then yes. suddenly you're thinking, well, actually I do. I need yes. to know. And then yes. it sounds like you were really into discovering what what is truth. Is that fair to say? Yes. I, and I, I don't do much things lightly. You know, yeah. if I'm going to take it, I take it. Yeah. Uh, so it was in depth. Yes. So three years. And what stood out to you from that season in your life? What things did help you? to come to the conclusion, yeah. that, wait a second, I think there's a God and I think it's Jesus. Well, well, first I had to start with, is there a God, mm -hmm. right? And so this is kind of the layout of my, my speaking too. When I speak, it's like, well, there's two things. First, I, I have to, is there a God? And then if there's a God, then what about all these religions? And is one of the religions more reasonable than the other? Uh, one of the big turning points I would say, is I mentioned him earlier, Jim Warner Wallace, I was going to say, you have yeah. a lot in common with him and Lee Strobel, right? <laughs> I do. I do. I have even more with, with, with Jim because I, I was in law enforcement for about 10 years um, as, as a reserve deputy for our sheriff's department. And mm -hmm. uh, that law enforcement, it's, it's so tangible to me. You know, you have evidence, you have prosecutors, defense attorneys, jurors, and it's the exact same process of looking at evidence and deciding what a reasonable conclusion is. Um, and the, his book came out, uh, the cold case Christianity and, and it, it was really good for me. Mm. And the biggest thing it, it, it opened my eyes to was no pun intended, but, but the eyewitness testimony, mm -hmm. the fact that the new Testament uh, the gospels in particular are, are centered around eyewitness testimony. And even in all my research and everything I had done up till then, I didn't, I didn't catch that. And that was, that was really kind of a game changer for me. Once, once I read that book and, and learned that part of it, that, that put me over the edge, I would say from, from a Christianity standpoint. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it's one thing to come to the point where you're like, all right, intellectually, I think this is true. It's another thing to surrender. Tell me about that for you. I still struggle with that. <laughs> That's the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah, intellectually, I can look at the evidence all day long and come to the same conclusion. And, and, and I do, right? Because that is the most reasonable conclusion to me. There is a, lots of evidence, and we can get in some of the evidence if you'd like, of, of why there's a God, and then why I think Christianity is true. And then there's the second part of that, which is giving in, right? Um, and and I, I say, I have a fear. I have a fear of being wrong. I don't ever want to be wrong in anything that I do, if mm. I can help it. And so that, that fear always eats at me. Like, are you wrong? Are you, are you sure? Are you positive? Um, and, and, and you can't. You'll never be absolutely sure, mm. right? You can't get beyond all possible doubt. Mm. And that brings, always comes back to law enforcement for me because it's like, well, but I can get to a reasonable doubt mm. and we'll convict people, right, based on reasonable doubt. Uh, so, so that giving in is, is difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, I still struggle with it. You know, I, 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 I do it the best I can, mm -hmm. right? Which is that I know this is true, so I'm going to follow, you know, and there's, there's been so many things that it, it seemed, at least it seemed cliche to me, which is, well, that had to be ordained, you know, that had to be orchestrated. Somebody was part of that to make this happen or make this fall into place. And that, that's a lot of my speaking, right? It's things just kind of fell in. I, I never spoke before in my life. Um, so, at, you know, I don't even know what age it was, late 30s or whatever. All of a sudden, I'm in front of people speaking about something I didn't believe in, trying to convince them why I changed my mind. Um, just I couldn't, I, I can't tell you how much of a radical change that is. And you just admitted that it's still hard for you to surrender. So... At what point, because I know that's a daily choice, what point do you, can you point to in your faith journey where you were like, okay, God, I give in. Um, I'm going to choose you even though I'll never know this side of eternity 100%. I may, you know, I may look like a fool, but I choose you. At what point did that happen for you? I like what you said there. I like the, a daily choice. You know, and it, it really is. Mm -hmm. Um especially with our fallen nature, you know, every day we're tempted every day. So, so every day it's a choice. Are you going to follow that temptation or not? Or are you going to do this or do not? So I, I really like that. Uh, the, the moment, the most pivotal moment I would say was I, I used to go camping with a college buddy and it was just he and I, and we'd go every fall. So every fall we'd go for a long weekend and, and go camping. And uh, so this was, you know, someone from college. So not always, you know, we did drinking and things like that around the campfire and maybe going to clubs. We shouldn't go to that kind of a thing together. And we we talked a couple of years while I was going through this journey that that I'm going through this journey. And, you know, he was like, OK, whatever kind of a thing. And and then um, I think this was in 2011. And I was on a camping trip with him and. That Saturday night around the campfire, I found myself defending Christianity to him <laughs> and why, it, why I thought it was true. And I went, you just gave in. I mean, that, that was it. Mm. That's, that was a, a turning point for me. And, and I got baptized then that summer. I think, I got, I think I, that was fall and in June then I got baptized mm. um, based on that. And that, that was really, yeah, when, when I would say I... I turned the corner and said, this, this is, this is true. Now, again, it's a daily, it's a daily battle. Um, yeah. I, I love that saying. 
But you went from that to then becoming a public speaker. Why'd you do that, Rick? Well, that was that's an interesting story, too. Uh, my daughter was probably 14, I'd say. And my church has a, uh, they, do, they do mission trips. And they were doing a mission trip to Czech Republic. And my daughter wanted to go on that, which was fine. She, she can go on it. Um, but I had this, and this is, like I said, there's, there's been maybe a half dozen of these where I've never had like God speak to me, but there's been maybe a half dozen times where I'm like, really, I'm supposed to do that? You know, and I, I heard, I heard a direction. And this was one of you just times. not audibly, right? Right. Not audibly. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but he said, you should, you need, you're going to go on that check trip and you're going to speak. Mm. You're going to put on a couple of seminars about your journey. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. And uh, so I, I talked to the people who were running it and there were all these things that would have had to fall into place. I, I was actually having surgery in April, I think, or, and, and then we were going on this trip in June. So would I be recovered enough? Um, I didn't have enough vacation because it was a long mission trip. So, well, I don't know that I can take that many days. And these things just fell into place where they're like, well, this, this pastor who happened to be a, a pastor, a mentor of mine, as I was going through this journey, he's going to be speaking there and he's coming out late. So you can come out with him. So, well, I don't have any time to, they do teaching on this. They teach English classes there. And I'm, I don't have time with my surgery. I can't do that. I, so that you probably don't want me to come. So they took it under consideration. They said, no, we still want you to come. And so that's what started it. I was, this was 2018. And uh, I was I was pretty shocked. So I, I started <laughs> putting things together um, and, and did some practice things with with some small groups and and ended up in the Czech Republic, putting on two two seminars for the evidence for God and the evidence for Christianity. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, Czech is one of the most atheist nations mm -hmm. around. Um, very nice people, though. Very nice. Mm -hmm. But uh, really a culture. I would say I talked about my apathy. That's what I felt. And I've been there since then. Um, it's just a culture of apathy. Like, I, I don't even want to, I don't even want to know about it. Um, yeah, so that that's what took me there. And so that's what started the speaking. Hmm. How was your talk or your seminar received there? Uh, pretty well. Um, you know, it was, wasn't huge. You know, I think it was like 20 or 30 people. Um, they're very reserved. So it's very hard to get feedback. Um, after the fact, I had a number of them come up and talk with me and we talked afterwards and stuff like that. So, so that went, you know, it went well. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So you were apathetic. You now talk with people that you uh, assume might be apathetic as well, uh, both overseas and in churches. I know when I looked at your website, I thought it was really fascinating. Um, that you have a special place in your heart, so to speak, for people in the church who are really struggling with doubt or skepticism. I found that interesting because I often tell people that the Finding Something Real podcast is for the girl in proverbial back pew, mm. a young woman who's not sure where she's at with Christianity, but is still engaged enough that she's looking at it from a distance. And my heart is tender towards that young woman because I remember going to church and feeling like I was faking it at different times in my life. So it sounds like we have similar people we're trying to reach and that we're passionate about. 
Um, why do you care about trying to reach a skeptical person who's maybe already going to church? By the way, do you know why the last pew is the best? Because <laughs> I sat there too. Because you you can come in late and you can leave early. Yeah, that's right. It's the, it's the best. <laughs> and place you don't to have be. to talk to anybody, right. <laughs> and the nobody knows that, your business. The only thing that was better was the balcony. Now you could be up in the balcony. What was the question again? Why do you care about the person who might already be there who is skeptical? Oh, yeah. Because I, I brought it up earlier because that was me. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there and I never heard evidence. I never heard, a quote unquote, apologetics. I never heard anything from that lines. And, and there's some churches that do, I think, but, but the vast majority of them don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it... That is where my 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 heart is and where I want to be. I'm fi- I've found it very hard to address that, quite frankly. Um, I've had a lot of speaking opportunities at the youth groups and uh, Duluth Blitz, which is a big youth thing, and and I've gone overseas a couple times. Um, but getting into churches and speaking at churches, I have found very difficult. Hmm. Um, some of them, it's very much like a you know, we, we don't need that, hmm. you know, and I don't, I think the resistance is just that, like, what I don't want to introduce that, or I don't know. But mm-hmm. so that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's hard, it's hard to get into, it's hard to get into churches is what I found. Hmm. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, that's why I want to be there. Cause I want to reach, I want to reach the people in the audience that were like me, cause they're there. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the research says, I think it's like 12% of people in church audiences aren't believers, Hmm. you know? Yeah. So that's what I want to reach. Yeah. It's interesting. I was talking to somebody in college ministry a few months ago and I was asking him questions about their ministry and, um, you know, the events that they do and different things. And I mentioned apologetics and he kind of pushed back on that. And he's like, well, we do it a different way here kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it made me sad to be honest, because I feel like it's, both and, right? Uh, Yes, we need to meet people where they're at, right? And a lot of times that comes in the form of just gatherings together, having great music, having, you know, these intense conversations and different things. That's all well and good. Having the mission trips, all of that. But then also, and this is why I love Maven, by the way, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm maventruth.org and the immersive trips that they're doing. But um, we also need to equip people to be able to answer hard questions because we live in such a time and place where you can't put your head in the sand. All you have to do is look on your phone for two seconds to find some argument against Christianity or some argument against God or some guy or woman freaking out because of some injustice that they perceive God has done. And as a Christian, how are you going to respond to that? Or if you're a non-believer or somebody on the fence about faith, how are you going to respond to that? Well, it might be very compelling. And if you're emotionally wooed, which I tend to be, I mean, I can't judge people who are wooed by emotions. That's me. I'm a feeling person. Ain't nothing wrong with liking feelings. God gave us those too. But if you are swayed by the emotion and some of these, and some of this content, it's very easy to have holes poked into your faith. Um, So the church you know, I think there's some really great churches that are doing this, but I also think the church would be wise to continue looking at this and going, how do we equip our young people? There's a massive 
exodus of young people, you know, and as they get into high school and college and the church knows it, you know, Christians know it. So is it something where we need to look and go, wait a second, Christianity does have answers. Like you were saying, you did Mm -hmm. not come to it on the side of Christianity going, oh, I want to confirm what I already believe. (laughs) You know, Right. So, yeah. Did you, speaking of that, I'm wondering, did you read things like Nietzsche or, you know, these different skeptic authors when you were doing your exploring or, or did you stick primarily with Christian apologists or how did you research some of that? Um, I didn't do like some of the, like I did do C.S. Lewis, um, but not, not so much of those older scholars and things like that. Um, I tried to, I mean, certainly in the beginning were the popular ones, right? Both the atheists and, you know, first of all, it took me, I started with the atheists because that's what I wanted to hear, you know, and, uh, and what I thought was correct. Um, I really had that, uh, I was unsure or I, I didn't I thought Christians were uneducated mm-hmm. I really thought that and I thought they were deluded I mean mm-hmm. that's a strong word but that's that's what I thought yeah how can you believe that stuff right mm-hmm. um it's it's so made up it was so strong in that feeling and so I still of course the atheists you know, Christopher Hitchens and R- Richard Dawkins and you know that was they were they were pretty big at that time mm-hmm. and so you know and, and then then I would start watching their debates on YouTube or like, well, wait, there's somebody on the other side there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and sometimes it was, well, that was, that was a pretty good answer, you know? And, and so that started me learning. I had to learn that there were educated people yeah. on the Christian side, very yeah. smart, educated, you know, and, and that's when I start my talks, that's a lot of what I, I'll, I'll show people on both sides. And, and again, I mentioned it earlier that, that you have a faith, if you believe in some, if you believe, if you even believe that Christian's wrong, Christianity's wrong, then you have another set of beliefs, mm-hmm. and and really understanding that, and then looking at those people. So I, I read a lot of books, um, but I, I did a lot of podcasts because I was at that time I was commuting to work. I work from home now, which is wonderful, um, but I was commuting at the time, and so and it was long commute. So I I did a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. and. I'll, I'll date myself again. I, I had to download those podcasts and I had to burn them to a CD, <laughs> or DVD, you know, so I could put it in my car and listen to it on the way. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was, I remember doing that, mm-hmm. burning a lot of CDs and listening to it. That's pretty cool. So, you know, I know people have been trying to answer this for a long time, but burning through the apathy, how do you do that? Um, have you found any effective way to to interject the need for faith in somebody who's just not interested? No, and I don't know that you can. Yeah, you know, there's 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 people there's hard people people on hard beliefs. It's not true. I don't even want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it sounds bad, but you're kind of wasting your time because they're not even listening. Right. And I was there. There was a time where I wasn't listening either. Mm-hmm. It was something that moral argument, my kids, raising my kids that prompted me to open up, to look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, and you can be the other way too. I mean, there, there's really hardline Christian, you know, that, that are not open. I'm like, are you, are you sure? Have you looked at the, You know, they, how do I want to say this? Um, 
some people believe because of emotions, right? And that's not me. I'm, a, I'm an analytical person. And so I struggle a little bit sometimes when I'm like, well, what do you mean you don't know about this part of, you know, evidence and things like that? <laughs> well, I don't need to. Well, and to your point, what you said, well, you kind of do because you should at least know so you can tell other people that there is that side of it. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question there, but kind of went off a little bit on a No, I, I think that's good. I think you're right. You know, we've had a pastor from Portland on this podcast a, a few times, and I just love him because of the way that he shares the gospel. His name is Josh White. I don't actually know how much he engages with apologetics, although we've definitely asked him some questions that um, have required that, and he's done great. But, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that he said that really stood out to me, he said, it doesn't matter how much light you shine into the into a blind person's eyes, unless their eyes have been opened, they can't see. Yeah. And um, I I think that's the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Like you mm-hmm. going thirty something years not caring, and right. then suddenly you know going wait a second this thing that I used to find really attractive and that I wanted to guard so much, I no longer want that and I don't want it for my kids. I mean that was a change of heart that God was already working on in your in your life well before you even knew it, you know? And I've had young women on this podcast before who will say, hey, it's not about the evidence anymore. Um, my intellectual questions, for the most part, I mean, you know, they'll say, well, I'll always have questions, but it's not an intellectual thing. They recognize it. And almost, you know, Rick, when it gets to that point, I'm like, well, praise the Lord that they know that there, there's something out there intellectually speaking, right? But to make that choice to surrender, that's a whole different, that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. I like what Frank Turek does at the end of his talks when he's talking to people in the Q&A and he says, hey, if Christianity were true, would you believe it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a real heart check. <laughs> like, would I really, would I really believe it, you know? Um, Boy, he does a, he does a good job with those Q&As too. Uh, he's, he's so fun to watch. And my kids, it's so funny. My kids are, my oldest is 14. And uh, then I have a 12-year-old, an almost 10-year-old, and an 8-year-old. And when they hear Frank Turek on, because sometimes I'll just play his stuff like at dinner time or whatever, because that's usually when he's doing the Q&A, my kids will go, it's Frank Turek, and they'll run. <laughs> and I, I told my mom or my husband, I can't remember, I said, I got to videotape my kids doing that sometime and their reaction to him answering the hard questions, because they're getting quite yeah. an education just listening to him. Yeah. I, w- I wish I could be as quick on my feet as he is. Well... I think (laughs) he gets, I heard somebody asking, well, they've talked about asking him about that and how he knows a lot on like 13 different topics. He's really good at 13 different topics. And I think if you think (laughs) like that, I'm like, well, I don't know. I keep thinking I want to make a notebook where I have all these different topics that can come up because the same topics come up on this podcast all the time and write down my favorite things that I've learned from each guest that probably would end up becoming a real book because yeah. I've learned so much from people. But um, Rick, how has following Jesus changed your life? Well, I say it's changed. When, when I got baptized, then I say I changed my language. I changed my library. I changed my playlists. <laughs> and I changed, I always say the best I could, my thoughts. Um, and my thoughts are probably the hardest thing, right? Some of the thoughts that I have and I, directing them. Um, I really believe in um, conscience and 
spirits. So in other words, there's there's a dark there's a dark side and that's the whole Star Wars thing, right? I really believe, you know, some people say, why won't Jesus just talk to me here? Why, why doesn't he just and well, well, what if what if your conscience is that, mm-hmm. right? You know, we we all have a we all think we have a good side and a bad side, right? And someone's telling, oh, I should do that. No, you don't want to do that. And you're you're kind of going back and forth. And the Emperor's New Groove, you have Kronk, and he's got the he's got the devil on one side of his shoulder. That's a movie. It's a funny movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got it's a cartoon movie, and, and he he's got these two sides of him telling him what to do and what not to do, and he gets he doesn't know what to do. Um, and we all have that. Mm-hmm. You can ask anyone, and and maybe, maybe that's God, mm-hmm. right? And He is talking to you in your conscience. I mean, where where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I got on that with my thoughts. So cleaning up my thoughts, and and so so that was you know that was the most immediate you know change that you could really feel or see, right? And then then the the attitudes and, and wanting to serve and wanting to help people. That's a little bit more of a gradual process mm-hmm. that takes time. Right. And, and, um, but that is where I see a lot of difference too, mm-hmm. in, in trying to help people and trying to serve more and, and do things and, um, know that, that life is not just about now. It's about the future too. And that future is when you're not here because mm-hmm. yeah. we all die. Yeah. 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 Speaking of wanting to help people, what are some great resources that you would recommend to somebody listening who maybe is on the fence about Christianity, but maybe you've inspired them to kind of look a little deeper? What are some things that you think would be helpful for them? Well, I'm always going to start with Jay Warner Wallace and his books. Um, <laughs> I've, I've gotten to know him personally, too, a little bit. And, and he um, it just if, if you're an analytical person and you like evidence, then those are the books to start with, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, they're just they just really resonate real well. Um, if you're also analytical, you know, there's there's so many good books out there. You know, the evidence that demands a verdict. You can look at so much of the evidential side of things um, and learn from that. So that's a really good book. One of the one of the ones that hit me early on was Letters from a Skeptic. Mm-hmm. I have a Can copy it? of that book. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that one's really, really a good book, I thought. I mean, for early on for me, the C.S. Lewis, um, he can be kind of hard to read, um, you know, because just the way the way he writes um, it takes a lot of effort to read him. But he also has a similar story to me in that he was an atheist, too, hmm. um, a strong one. Um, and he ended up in, in college, I believe it was he ended up meeting um, educated Christians and ended up talking with them and learning about it and ended up becoming what he calls the most reluctant convert. Mm-hmm. You know, I resonate with that. The reluctant convert, right? The evidence was just so strong that he, he couldn't resist it any longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so C.S. Lewis is a good one. Um, yeah. Those are, those are, you know, Frank Turk. We talked about Frank Turk as well. He's, he's a, he's a good resource. Um, but, but I encourage people that are on the fence to, to listen to the other side too. Yeah. Right. Read, read Richard Dawkins book, the God delusion, but then go read Alistair McGrath's the Dawkins delusion. Yeah. Right. So, so read both sides. Yeah. And come to, uh, come to your own conclusion. Again, back to law enforcement. This is evidence. You can go look at the evidence and you can read these books, but you're the juror. Yeah. 
you got people on both sides. They're looking at the same evidence. Mm -hmm. Richard Dawkins and Frank Turk are looking at the same evidence. It's the same Bible. It's the same world we live in. It's the same science. And they're making their decision based on what they think is more reasonable. You have to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are great resources. And I'll add just a couple more too. Mm -hmm. Justin Brierley's new book about why new atheism failed. Um, we'll put a link to that because he was recently on the podcast talking about that book, which is a critique of the new atheism movement of Hitchens and Dawkins and those guys. And Don't forget why... his first book either. Because oh, I know. Unbelievable. That was good too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because, and of course, his podcast. You're right. Yeah. I should have brought that one up because that podcast is great because he, 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 one of the things I don't like is debates when they get, the animosity gets really strong and they start attacking each other. And it's just like, I, I don't want to listen to this. I, I want to, you know, and unbelievable is so good of just hearing both sides of the equation. And then he, after listening to all that for how many years, is still a Christian yeah. and writes a book about it. So. Yeah, that, you're right. That's an excellent resource. And then, um, you mentioned Jim Wallace and his most recent book, Person of Interest, is excellent as well, especially for somebody skeptical of the Bible, because in it he goes through the evidences for Jesus and the resurrection outside of the Bible, which I think is fascinating. So um, I love all that. And Rick, you also create resources. If people want to know more about you after this episode airs, how can they find you? Yeah, my website is askepticsjourney.com. So it starts with the letter A, askepticsjourney.com. Uh, that's that's my primary uh, way of you can get in contact with me there. I, I have videos of my speaking at different venues. And um, that's that's really what my passion is, is to speak. Um, again, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why, <laughs> uh, but it is. Um, it looks like, um, uh, so last year, I was able to go to both Rome and Wales and speak. And this year it's looking like Toronto and Madrid are coming in. Mm. We haven't, we haven't finalized those yet. Um, but a, a lot of the speaking is local, mm -hmm. um, as well. Um, so that's that. And I, and I just, I love, I love to speak. I, uh, I do church services and then two to four hour seminars, depending upon what, what those churches want. I mean, I, I'd love it if we'd have the time and I could kind of walk through all the evidence, you know, yeah. um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, some of the seminars, they can go three to four hours long if we want to go through it all mm -hmm. and, and talk about it. And, uh, and they've been really well received uh, people. I always, I always judge my, my seminars in particular about how many people leave, right? Cause you take <laughs> breaks, right? You got to take breaks. You can't go for three or four hours. So you got to take breaks. And, and so, and if, if the audience is still there by the last session, then that's a pretty good sign, right? Yeah. If you've lost about half of them, then you're going too long or it's not good and, and, uh, and they've gone really well. So Well, like you mentioned, yeah. a lot of your average church-going individuals have not heard some of this evidence. And so it's really fascinating when you get the chance to hear it and go, oh my gosh, uh, you mean that there's real reasons behind all of this. I don't have to just take this because somebody told me right. this. Um, and I think some of that's changing. Like I mentioned, there's a lot of churches that are doing a good job with that. But 
I still would say that when you talk about apologetics or you talk about reasons for faith, I was even talking to an agnostic who's been on this podcast before, one of my favorites, uh, Lou from Italy. And she's like, you know, it's strange because you talk about evidences on your podcast. And, you know, I, I grew up around the Catholic Church and we never talk about that kind of stuff. Right. And and just thinking, well, you know, it it really it, it really does a lot for your your own faith. Um, even if you already strongly believe in Jesus, um, to go and find out the reasons for those things, because then the more anchored you feel in that, the more you have to tell people about it. It's like, oh my gosh, do you know? I mean, real quick, I'm going to ask you the final question here, but this is so cool. So when I was at cross-examine this last year, I gave a talk about beauty as an evidence for God. And because I'd like to speak more eventually too, you know, the doors haven't fully opened up for that, but that's okay. I've got five kids here right now. That's all good. Four kids <laughs> my own, podcast. plus an exchange student and a podcast, and I'm helping yeah. with Maven. Lots of things going on, right? In in God's timing. But anyway, um, I when I was doing my research, I came across this great, great quote um, by Isaac Newton, where he said, in the absence of everything else, that the thumb alone would convince him of God's existence. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And Newton said that, what, 600 years ago or 500 years ago before, you know, we have Google that tells us that no time in the history of ever has anyone ever had the same fingerprint. You just think, like, isn't that incredible? It's just incredible. And that's just one little one little thing. Um, but Rick, I know uh, we could keep talking here, but uh, yeah. I want to I want to wrap this up. Um, this has been a great conversation. Finding Something Real is a podcast um, about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. You look like you're prepared for this uh, question. And I didn't I've heard it, it a couple you. times. Okay. <laughs> well, good. That's how I know when people actually listen. I'm like, oh, well, you've heard it. You're prepared. Uh, so Towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Real is an acronym for those things. All things that can be found in relationship with Jesus Christ. Which of those things, restoration, eternity, authenticity, or love, stands out to you the most in your life right now, and why? I'm going to take two of them. Um, The first one would be authenticity. Um, And I apply that to what I found. Um, And I have have a whole section about why I consider the Bible authentic which I didn't before, right? Because I thought it was a made up story. But but I think if you look at the evidence and you look at it closely, it's actually a really authentic account of what happened at the time. Mm-hmm. Now I say that doesn't mean it's true. There's other things we look at to look at that, but it is authentic to what what was probably written at the time. And then eternity hits me because, um, well, it's just such a concept to grasp that there's, there, there's more than this life. And when you really believe that, how that changes your output or your, your, your outlook, eternity is, is an interesting and, and hard to grasp concept and believe. But when, if you do, again, it, it changes what you think. Mm-hmm. So eternity, I think, is, is pretty powerful. It's so true. And also, in addition to changing your outlook, does change your output because you can't possibly right be filled up with that kind of vision and be like wait a second i mean it has to be poured out to those around you yeah so rick allen thank you so much for being on the finding something real podcast until next time thank you for listening to the finding something real podcast friend 
This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.